This morning we're talking about abiding in Christ. Somebody say abiding in Christ. Give me John chapter 15. Give me John chapter 15. Abiding in Christ. What does it mean to abide in Christ? In a sense, um, this message sort of is a step further on the purpose of Christians that we treated. Is it three weeks ago now? I think we did it for two Sundays, so it's you know, three and um, three weeks and two weeks ago. Um, we treated, you know, what the purpose of Christian is. Oh, this three and four weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that's true. We had questions and answers after, and then we have Pastor T took us last Sunday. Amen. So, um, you know, and we, 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 we talked about what the purpose of Christianity is, uh, what the destination is, what the journey is about. We said that Christ is the destination and that it is not heaven. That we are already, in a sense, in heaven because heaven is where God lives. Am I making sense? Um, Isaiah 66, God was making a declaration and he said, Heaven is my throne. He had as my footstool. He said, But where will my spirit rest? So God desired somewhere, God desired a state, God desired an arrangement beyond heaven you know and i said that we are not racing towards heaven because the moment we give our life to christ we became citizens of heaven am i making sense that's what the scripture says we became what citizens of heaven so the race the christian race is not to make heaven the christian race is to attain to the fullness of what of christ that's the christian race is to attain to the fullness of Christ is to measure up to grow up to the full stature that Christ is so the supply of the resources of the spirit it is to help us to do what to grow now if your goal is heaven and what they have told us is that you know while growing up the holiness movement the heaven to get to heaven you must be what holy so without holiness no man shall do what see the lord even though that scripture doesn't mean heaven but i mean that was the interpretation for a while and it was okay because um that was the light that was the you know the amount of light that we were walking in and it was producing the fruit of righteousness holiness became um a, a major focus of the christian world and you shouldn't be comfortable living in sin am i making sense am i making sense you know but if your goal is heaven according to that school of thought spiritual school of thought the only thing you need to do is to be holy and being holy in that context is don't sin it means don't do the wrong things am i making sense um don't steal don't backbite don't you know you know all those things um scriptures about the the the, 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 the works of the flesh you know so deal with immorality that's one of the major ones ah sexual immorality and all that deal with immorality and all those you know but if you if that is all you've done in fact you cannot even do that successfully if the actual purpose and goal of christianity is not defined in you what is going to happen is that you are going to live a life of hypocrisy you are going to have an appearance or a form of godliness but the actual power of change of transformation will not be manifest in your life and that was why at a point the holiness movement you know for some people became an issue of hypocrisy 
am I making sense? Not deliberately, but because there was no knowledge about how to increase in the power and the knowledge of God that produces the actual fruit of righteousness. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So, in other words, we were professing something we didn't know how to walk in. And because of that, we found ourselves doing the wrong things and we became hypocritical. Amen. And that's why you find some of the some people who were in the holiness movement who don't dress in a certain way, you find that they were some of the most bitter people. <laughs> Have you met some of them? Some of them are so bitter. Some of them are so, you know, full of vile and all that. You know, sometimes it's not their fault. They really want to live out what they are professing, but lack the knowledge is what is lacking. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But I said that to say this, that but if that was, if it were even possible to be sinless without increasing the knowledge of God so that you can enter heaven, you will enter heaven almost, you know, bankrupt of the knowledge and spiritual resources that you should have gained while on earth if your goal were to be to attain to the fullness of Christ. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? It's like saying your goal is not to eat food. Say, not to eat certain kind of bad food. That's your goal. And then you do everything possible and maybe you were successful. You abstain from those food. You didn't eat them. But another person realized that the reason why I wanted, I want to eat healthy and abstain from bad foods is so that I can be fit to go and work Am I making sense? And make money and have a good career and have good things of life. So the number one person only abstained from those food, didn't do anything with it. Hallelujah. He's healthy, he's not eating the wrong thing, but he's not productive. The other person took advantage of that, abstained from the wrong things, is healthy, but he's using his health, his good health, to do what? To produce something. That's the best way I can explain someone who is on a race to enter heaven and somebody else who is on a race to attain the what? The fullness of Christ. Did we get the explanation? Did we get the explanation? So if our goal is the fullness of Christ, to attain to the fullness of Christ, then what are we supposed to do in order to achieve that goal? You know, so if the goal is fullness of Christ, then what do we need to do in order to do what? To attain that goal. Now we've said that the goal is not to enter heaven. We are in heaven. Hallelujah. And we are already citizens of what? Of heaven. If the goal is to attain to the fullness of the stature of Christ, what that means is that I am Christ-like in every way, in every sense of it, in wisdom, in knowledge, in power in love because God is love am I making sense that is what it means to attain to the fullness of Christ it means that I behave exactly like Christ in every situation that's number one number two I have knowledge like Christ because it's not just only behavior in fact if the knowledge is missing behavior will be affected am I making sense Am I making sense? It means I have knowledge of Christ. That's why I don't understand Christians who don't prioritize, who don't have strong commitment to studying scriptures, 
and have an active pursuit of the knowledge of God in their lives. You are not going anywhere. We are not in any race. Stop, stop deceiving yourself. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? How do you work with a God you don't know or you don't have an increasing knowledge of? How? Imagine me relating with my wife with the knowledge I had of her 10 years ago. How would that marriage be? Am I making sense? Imagine you, Busai, relating with Toluwashe when he's now 20 with the knowledge you have of him and now that he's 6 or 7. That's what some of us are doing with God. We have not progressed in our knowledge of him in the understanding of his love in the understanding of his heart the fire that burns in his heart what is his counsel what does his grace mean what is his purpose what is his determinate counsel am i making sense we have not progressed what your son what told you know of you now cannot produce fruitfulness if he's still relating with that knowledge of you when he's 20. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? That's the way we treat God sometimes. So attaining to the fullness of Christ means fullness in knowledge. Fullness in knowledge. Fullness in love. Because God is love. And our love must be his love, not our own definition of love. You know, they say love is there are many types of love, right? There's heroes, there's agape, there's uh, which one again? There's one that looks like shooting, like sometimes like they shoot somebody. Is this too gay or what? You know, you have all kinds, but I mean, we know the one that we are looking for is the love of God, right? The agape. We must grow to the measure of Christ in love. And Christ, the scripture clearly describes the love of God. Am I making sense? He clearly what? He said God commended his love. He demonstrated. That's what another translation uses. He demonstrated his love. That if you are looking for the love of Christ, this is the love of Christ. That while we were yet what? Sinner. The word sinner really hides the depth of the meaning. Let me rephrase it. While we were unworthy. Christ died for us. Christ gave his life, lost his life for an unworthy being. That's the love of God. You know, we sacrifice for those who are worthy. If Messiah comes to me now and says, My God, I need this thing, I need money. Even if I don't have, because he's a worthy guy, I will go and look for it. You know, because he's worthy. We sacrifice for our children every day because we judge them what? worthy our life is based our relationship everything about our life the aggregation of our lives is based on our judgment of what is worthy and what is not what we give attention to is what we elevate as is worthy am i making sense god's judgment is not like that if god's judgment is like that he wouldn't have any need for us because scripture says we're dead in trespasses and sins Ephesians chapter 2. So we're walking in the blindness of our hearts because the God of this world has what? Has blinded our heart. He said, but God who is rich in mercy. That's the love of God in display. That's the love of God in display. He found us by mercy. 
understand what was going on in his head the summation of the thoughts of god that produced that action of love and mercy we must grow into it so that we can produce the same action that's how we are going to save the world that's how we are going to do what that's how we're going to save the world you know like yesterday god was speaking to my heart you know how many of us knew how many of us know um this week about the roe v wade um supreme court judgment in the u.s you know and it's been it's been really really the backlash the you know some people are rejoicing some people are crying and everything and all that you know even some of them filtered into my work whatsapp group a lot of people were expressing different opinions and all that and god just spoke to me that you know the church is getting this thing wrong because and i'm not trying to throw um i'm not trying to throw a wrench in the in those who are celebrating am i making sense but the reaction is that if your mandate is to save the world you cannot mock it did you get that one if your mandate is to save the world you cannot mock it because when you mock it you have you have made yourself illegitimate did you get what i'm trying to say if a car and this was the illustration lord painted in my heart if a car is going down the slope and it's going to fall off the cliff and your mandate is to save those in that car you know you don't sit down and laugh and mock them do you what do you do you get on that slope and run faster than the car is running because that's the only way you're going to save them right and get them out of that car as fast enough you know there is no time to think about anything else other than how you are going to run fast and beat the time so that you can save that is what the church should focus on now the world the people of the world are not our enemy they are the ones we are sent to save am i making sense you see that is why this this culture in church of humiliating people who fall into sin or error such that now we have now developed a system in church where people hide their infirmities it's a very very devilish system it's a hellish system because in spite of the fact that god is full of mercy his mercy is not born out of ignorance you can see somebody who is struggling in sin and you can have the right response of love and mercy to them and not mock them nor scorn them or backbite about them or gossip about them that is the true love of god that's the love god must grow into people's issues are not just stop it stop gossiping about people's issues stop making people uncomfortable you can attack the issue as i am doing right now i'm not excusing sin i'm not saying that you should go ahead and live in sin but we will not have a culture in this place where we mock people who are weak we will help them instead because i'm not perfect myself but we are all pressing into the power and the glory of god and the more we press 
the more our behavior changes the more we overcome infirmities and weaknesses that is what the church is about we come to this place to receive grace and the energy and the power of God to walk out righteousness am I making sense am I making sense so look to your neighbor say please focus that is what church is Imagine somebody walking into your hospital and say, look at you. Where did you get this sickness from? Where did you get? What? Shame on you for, 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 for being sick. When they were telling you not to be eating the wrong, see yourself now. Now you have cancer. Have you ever seen a doctor do that? If you do that as a doctor, should you remain a doctor for the next one hour? They should not just seize your life. They should burn it. That's what we do in church. That's, but that's what we do in church, unfortunately. You can't mock the people you are sent to save. That is identifying with the ministry of the accuser. Because there is only one guy who is the accuser of the brother. What's his name? I didn't hear you. Are you his disciple? Are you his disciple? No. We don't mock people we are meant to save. Hallelujah. And since God spoke that word to me, my heart has been heavy. For how do we save the world? Because we're not going to do that by legislating our way into it. I'm pro-life, but you are not going to save the world by legislating your way into it. You are going to bring the power of God. The power of His mercy. The power of His love. The power of His grace. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? The travail so that people who are bound can become free. The literal laying down of our lives for those whom we judge unworthy. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. That's the love of God. So we are to grow in the love of God. We are to grow in the wisdom of God. Say wisdom of God. As we appreciate in these things, we are attaining the fullness of Christ. Am I making sense? As we grow in these things, we are what? We are attaining the fullness. That's what it means. So, so you can see that, that your pursuit is very deliberate and tangible. Am I making sense? It is not living on the edge, thinking that, oh, the trumpet will sound suddenly, oh, am I clean? Am I have not seen? No, no, no. It's, it's much bigger and broader than that. God wants to be fully manifest in you. When Jesus is standing beside you, we'll be confused who is who. Am I making sense? That's what fullness of Christ means. And the key thing, one of the key things to do that is by abiding in Christ. Say abiding in Christ. Amen. Say abiding in Christ is the process of growing into the fullness of Christ. Say if Christ is the beginning... Christ is the end. Did you get that? If Christ is the beginning, Christ is what? Scripture says he is the Alpha and the what? Hebrews chapter 12, the author and the what? And the finisher of our faith. His grace has authored our faith. Then we must understand what his will is to finish it. Am I making sense? And the scripture described it. He said that for God desires that all men be what? Saved. He didn't stop there. 
because being saved does not necessarily mean translate to the second one. He said, but that they come to the knowledge. Let me amplify it. They come to the full and complete knowledge of the word of the truth. Because knowledge itself is, in, is an increasing measure. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Hallelujah. So that is what God wants. is the author and the word and the finisher of our faith. So the process of abiding in him is how we'll embark on that journey and how we move from one phase to another. Hallelujah. John 15 from verse 1. Say, I am the vine and the father is who? You know, I like um, response when we're reading the word. The father is who? Verse 2, what does it say? It said, every branch in Every branch in that does not bear fruit, he does what? He takes away. This is a very strong statement, is it not? It's a very strong statement. You know, this was this was this, this scripture went from one to hundred. <laughs> and it started, I am the vine, you are the my father, I'm the branch, you are the branches, and my father is what? It's divine. I say, Okay, thank you, Jesus. The next one, every branch in me that doesn't be, you know, that one would just wake you up. That ah, okay, this is a serious conversation. Hallelujah. Say, but every branch that bears fruit, it does what it prunes that it may bear more fruit. Somebody say, more fruit. What does verse 3 say? Say, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Verse 4 Abide in me, and I in you. So, what it means is that if you are abiding in him, he's also abiding in you. Hallelujah. The praise of you abiding in him is the praise of him abiding in in you. They are not two different things. Am I making sense? You see, as the branch and then it brings a very perfect description. See, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it what? abides in the vine neither can you unless you do what abide in me so we're saying that the end result or the validating factor that decides whether you stay or you go is fruitfulness because verse 2 says that every brand that doesn't bear fruit it does what it cuts away the one that bears fruit it does what it prunes so that he can bring forth more fruit hallelujah so you know so i am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and i in him bears much fruit how did he get to the point of much fruit it has gone through continuous pruning because how you move from fruit to more fruit is what is pruning so and that shows that when you bear fruit they prune you again you bear more fruit right then they prune you again. So season after season, you have to undergo continuous pruning so that fruitfulness can continue. Am I making sense? And that's how you arrive at much fruit. Is that clear? Is that very clear? I want to be as practical as possible. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out. He's saying it again. He is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them and threw them into the fire and they are burned. Next verse. 
if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Verse 8. By this my father is what? Glorified. So, ascribing glory to God is an issue of fruitfulness. Should I say that again? Ascribing glory to God is an issue of what? It's an issue of fruitfulness. Oh, Father, we give you glory. We thank you. We love you. Receive the glory. Yeah, that is acceptable. So that's also a small say it's a small part. Say it's a small part. So when I bring forth fruit, say it, say when I bring forth fruit, God is really glorified. He is. Bringing forth fruit is like your son or your daughter coming back home with and he's, he or she has cleared all the results. You know you feel proud as a father. You know you feel proud. It is stronger than when you say, ah, daddy, you know, I know you're proud of me and I like you. That does the work too. Am I making sense? You can't say you don't want that. But there's something more. Am I making sense? Or maybe, how do you feel when you know, your son just is being celebrated in the society you know, for a particular value, for a particular virtue, maybe a leadership or something like that. You know, you feel extremely proud. And then they will look at you and say, thank you for raising this child. You feel the honor of a father or a mother that you have raised somebody. Am I making sense? That's what it means. That is the joy and the glory that comes to the father when we bear fruit. The father feels fulfilled. Say, my work in this guy has not gone to vain. Am I making sense? It is not, it's not futile. He's brought forth fruit. So by this, is my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my what? So he's linking fruitfulness to discipleship also. Am I making sense? That you are his disciples indeed when you bear fruit. That's what he's saying. Fruitfulness is also a measure of what? Discipleship. It's not just a name only. It's not those who say, I am your disciple that are his disciples. Am I making sense? Like he said, John said, is it John 7, Matthew 7, not all do say to me, Lord, Lord, will do what? We enter into the kingdom. So it's not just only by saying it in the mouth. The action, the act, the heart has to follow the direction of the mouth. Am I making sense? Verse 9, very quickly. See, as the Father loved me, I also have what? I've loved you. Abide in my love. We're going to verse 12. If you keep my... Com- so he's breaking it down now. Am I making sense? He's making it clear to us what abiding in him means. Right? So if you keep my commandments, you will do what? You will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and did what? And abide now what this does for me i don't know whether it's doing the same for you but it should is that it really puts a new context a new understanding of what constitutes the love of god and two things comes to my mind number one is that you cannot immediately know everything that constitutes the love of god the love of God in itself is the journey that you must embark on. And as you embark on that journey, you understand His love more and more. 
Am I making sense? Because here, he's saying that keeping the commandments is an entrance into the understanding of his love. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm trying to say? When you walk in obedience, because that's what keeping the, command, keeping the Lord's commandment is, is obedience. Am I making sense? Obedience to the scriptures, following the Lord. That's what it is. The more you walk in obedience or you keep the commandments of the Lord, the more you do what? You abide. You are engrafted. You settle. Because to abide means to settle, to take root. It means to take a position, to conform to a position. Am I making sense? To make your abode a place or a state your abode. If I'm saying I'm coming to abide with you, I'm coming to live with you. I'm coming under your roof. I'm coming to become a part of your life. That's what it means. Am I making sense? So the more we walk in obedience to the commandments of God, the more that spiritual energy aligns us, conforms us to the love of God. Why is that important? Because we all want to walk, or let me not say we all want to walk in love. We must walk in the love of God. Am I making sense? We must walk in the love of God. Am I making sense? The fruit of the Spirit is what? It's love. But love is not just an action. Because if it is just an action, that is where we struggle. I mean, somebody hurts you. You can't reason your way to love that person. Can you? No. Somebody hurts you badly. You are literally bleeding. Your heart is bleeding. You cannot logically reason your way to loving that person. What's your natural response? You either hate the highest normal response which is even acceptable by human standard is that you move away from that person am i making sense you take you you allow distance between you and that person you are even trying to restrain yourself from saying bad thing about the person am i making sense <laughs> you are trying very hard say me if i don't want to sin i don't want to say something i will regret but you really really struggle am i making sense you cannot behave as if nothing has happened if you are beside that person, it's like you are walking on eggshells. So there is no logical way to reason yourself into the love of God. Am I making sense? You can't say, oh, I need to walk in love. 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 So, no, it's not like that. Something has to happen internally. There has to be a shift internally. There has to be another power. Because what... The natural behavior is powered by the natural life. It's power and it's value system. If I slap this guy now, his natural instinct, which is his natural power, is to give it back to me hot. Am I making sense? You know, somebody just going to slap you. You won't say, oh, that's so sweet. Would that be your reaction? No. Your natural life in you will send an impulse which is power to do what to retaliate that's the logical response of the natural life that's your power you have in your natural life but that's not how the supernatural life works am i making sense am i making sense so to live the supernatural life 
you need to acquire that energy, that supernatural energy. And that's what he's saying. When we walk in obedience, when we walk and keep the commandment of the Lord, something happens to us internally. That's what the process of abiding is. Am I making sense? And he was very definitive when he said, without me, you can do he was talking about nothing in the context of being spiritually fruitful. I mean, if you say, Jesus, I deny you now, you can still go out there and eat Eba. Haven't you done something? Am I making sense? That's not what he's saying. He's saying that you can do nothing in the context of you can't live the supernatural life. You can confess it, but we won't be able to see it. Why? Because the supply chain is missing. Hallelujah. So the supply chain is important. So how the branch survives is to make sure that supply chain is flowing. How the branch, the life of the branch is dependent on the what? The free flow of the supply chain. If something hampers that supply chain, that branch would die. It will wither. It will become unfruitful. And it will be taken away. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So he's saying, if you keep my commandments, you will make the supply chain to do what? To flow. And then you are truly abiding. Because the true word of, the true definition of abiding is, that supply is flowing. Am I making sense? That supply is what? Imagine if Nigeria supplied chain goes to bonkers now you will see serious problem all over this place i mean what's happening driving global oil price and everything now because russia has shut down or is shutting down the war in a sense is shutting down certain global supply chains and the war is happening in this place the people are feeling the effect when the supply chain of the spirit is hampered the effect can manifest in many many places Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And sometimes if you are not wise, you will not even know that there is fire on the mountain if we are not discerning. Because sometimes we judge our well-being by how we are doing physically. You know, I can have a good job and I'm dressing nice and everything is good. You guys are saying, oh, you guys, pastor, you're looking so fine, but something is wrong with my supply chain. Why? Because I'm not abiding. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? So give me 11 and 12 and let's see where it will take us. These things I have spoken unto you that your joy may what? That my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you do what? Love one another as I have. So this is our destination. Am I making sense? This is one key destination of abiding in him. If we are to love one another, like we described at the beginning of this message, that God demonstrated his love by what? By dying for the unworthy. And I said then that for Christ to do that and for us to become Christ-like, it also means we have to do that. Right? It means that we have to receive the same installations that Christ received that made him to be able to do that. Am I making sense? So this verse 12 that says that, you know, this is my commandment that you love one another. Is not a forceful command. Say it's not a forceful commandment. 
So it's not by hook or by crook. That's not what he's saying. Because you can't do it by hook or by crook. Am I making sense? He's saying that when you allow that process, the supply chain from the vine to the branch to happen unhindered, you will acquire the same spiritual resources I acquired and you will be able to love one another the way I loved you. So he's painting a picture of the destination. Am I making sense? What is crucial, you know, in this message is the vine branch relationship. Somebody say the vine branch relationship. We have to first of all understand that and the basis of that. How did we become a branch in his vine? How? Because when we understand the foundation of it, we said Christ is the author and the what? The finisher. So if you understand the press of the authorship, it gives you a clue to understand how the press is going to what? To continue and how it's going to finish. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? So if Christ authored it, Christ is the one that what? That so let me be more practical. If grace authored it, what will finish it? If faith authored it, what will finish it? So for the journey to continue, what must be sustained? Whatever started it, right? In this phrase, in this case, grace, right? Faith, right? Or any other thing that is included in the equation. Whatever started it must be maintained and increased in order to do what? To finish it. It's like starting a journey. You enter your car, you are driving to Adwekit from Lagos. You set out of your house. What constitutes progress? The faster the car moves. Am I making sense? And the fact that you are achieving movement. If your hand brakes is on and your gear is in neutral and you press your accelerator down for the next 30 minutes, where will you be? Drivers, where will you be? Same spot. <laughs> and you'll be making noise. Ah, so if, some, if a blind man passes by, he say, man, what is speed, man? <laughs> Hallelujah. That's what some people are doing. So much rev noise, no movement. Because the ingredients that started the journey is not maintained, is not increased. Am I making sense? Amen. So I said the vine branch relationship is what? Is absolutely crucial. If grace started it, grace also what? Give me Romans chapter Romans chapter 11, verse 5 and 6. Say, even though at this present time, this was, so let me give us a little background. This was Paul talking about the issue between Israel and the Gentiles and how there has been a shift in terms of the salvation and attaining the salvation of God from the Jews to the Gentile. So he was saying, so if you want more context, you can read from verse 1, but we don't have time. Even so, at this present time, there remains a what? A remnant according to what? According to what? Anytime you are in doubt about anything in your life, remember this verse. That the reason you are a Christian is because there was an election of grace that chose you. You did not choose yourself. God located you in the midst of the merry clay that you are. In the alley of death. Because you were dead in trespass and sins, right? If you chapter 2. God located you in that grave of sin. And made you alive. 
it was a deliberate, targeted, well thought out action of mercy and grace. Anytime you are feeling doubt in your life, oh, I don't know my life, no, I don't even know whether I'm a Christian. Remember this. You came on board by what? An election of grace. You came on board by what? An election of grace. Verse 6. And if by grace, then it is no longer of what? Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. So what is he trying to say? He's trying to make you understand the beginning of your journey. That it was an action of God that is initiated and crafted by grace. And he's saying that the way you are going to sustain it is no other way except through what? Through grace. So then we can say from this, you know, let's use a mathematical equation. If we say that if we abide, we'll be fruitful. And we say our abiding is by grace. So if we increase in grace, we will be fruitful. Is that a good equation there? Is that a good equation there? If we say that if we abide, we'll be fruitful. Equation one, right? And they will say to abide is by grace. Equation two, it means that to be fruitful is by grace. If one equals to two and two equals to three, then one equals to three. Is that a clear statement? So, one critical spiritual resource for abiding is what? I was expecting a chorus answer. Grace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So it says grace found you. And grace is going to finish the journey. Amen. Have we established that? Great. Zechariah chapter 4. Let's quickly look at that. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. And he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Say, This is the word of the Lord to Damilola. I was going to think you say, I said, Say to them, This is the word of the Lord to Damilola. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, said the Lord of hosts. Verse 7. So, who are you? Oh, what? Great mountain before Zerubbabel. You shall do what? Now, if you stop at that point, you will think that what God was just doing was to give, uh, what do this is, we call it conquire in, in Yoruba. Psych, you're just, maybe not even encourage, maybe psych him up. Ah, Zerubbabel, Ayaiki, you know, your, your chest can chest it. Come on, go ahead. But the next statement defined the context. What does it say? And he shall bring forth the word with the shouts of grace to it. So, as long as Zerubbabel remained within the context of grace, as long as that understanding his, his operating system, he can look at the mountain and say, Who are you? Oh, what? Oh, mountain. You will become what? Because it's not Zerubbabel that will level the mountain. It is what? Grace. Are we, are we getting that? Are we getting that? Romans chapter 5. 5, 1 and 2. Therefore be justified by faith. Having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. And through whom we have what? Access by faith into this grace in which we stand 
And we do what? Oh, come on. And we do what? In what? Of the word. Now, he's saying that we have access to grace. Guess what we're talking about, right? Grace is what started the journey, right? How did you access it? How did you access it? You know, this is what confuses us. This is where the confusion lies. And this is what the enemy uses to cheat us. Because the action of faith came from you. Because you had to believe the gospel before you accepted Jesus, right? We thought we were the one that initiated the process. Do you understand me? You thought you saved, you thought it was your action of your works. In this case, faith. So we are substituting faith for works now. We usually think it's our action of faith only that saves us. We are sometimes oblivious of the fact that it was the deliberate. Let me give you an example. Let me use this one. You are hungry, right? You are hungry, you are in your house. You have no no money, no food in your house and everything. Then you are in Surulere. I go to Surulere, right? Then I carried, I went to buy, what's your favorite pizza? Pizza Hut. So I went to Pizza Hut and bought Pizza Hut. I ran to your house and then came to your house and then knocked your door. I brought pizza for you. Then you opened the door and you collected pizza. The action of collecting pizza is your faith. But that was not when the journey started. Am I making sense? The journey started when I proposed in my heart to buy you pizza without you even knowing it. Am I making sense? So I brought grace to your doorstep. You received this by what? By faith. That is the working that birth your salvation that is the working that will perfect it you have to recognize always in every every aspect of your journey the movement of God that brings grace and you must receive that access by faith then abiding happens growth happens attaining to the fullness happens do you get me so it's not a struggle of works at all. Am I making sense? It's not you rationally, logically trying to live right. No. Where is the direction of the wind? The working of God is blowing this direction. I position myself to it. How do I receive it? By faith. And then once I receive it and I'm eating the pizza, what happens? I have strength to go and do whatever things I want to do. Hallelujah. Is it clear now? So we can also say that if grace is what brings about fruitfulness. We've established that, right? Can we also say that we have access to that grace by faith? Can we also say that? So if we increase in faith, are we going to increase in fruitfulness? Why? Because when we increase in faith, we increase in grace, and then we increase in what? Fruitfulness. Is that okay? Great. John chapter 15 verse 3. Let me quickly establish something here. Verse 2. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, it does what? That's not where we're going. Say this is where we're going. Every branch, say after me, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So, 
if we say more fruit, it's as a result of more grace. Are we correct? If I say more grace, it's as a result of more faith. Are we correct? If we also say more pruning results in more fruit, are we correct? If I now say more pruning is the process of more faith and more grace, am I correct? Say pruning is the process where you have more faith and more grace. That's pruning. Any process of God that increases your faith, that's pruning. It's not only when you are going through tough stuff. Tough stuff will also increase your faith. In fact, if it's not increasing your faith, you are suffering. The ungodly suffering. Did you get me? Once it manifests as an increase of faith, that's pruning. Once it translates to an increase of faith, whatever it is you're going through, that is what? Pruning. And once faith increases, grace will increase. And once grace increases, fruitfulness will what? Will happen. No wonder scripture says, therefore grow in grace. And in what? And in the knowledge of the Lord. No wonder Paul will pray, grace and peace do what? Be unto you. Every of his letters, grace be to you and peace from God the Father. Second Peter verse 1 verse 3, grace and peace be what? Be multiplied unto you. Through the what? Through the knowledge. Now that's where we're going. So if we say that grace, we have access to grace by faith, and then the knowledge of God brings an increase of faith, an increase of grace, then we can also say that the knowledge of God brings an increase of faith. And we have a scripture to that for that. Because faith comes by and hearing by. So if the knowledge of God increases by the word of God, right? If the knowledge of God increases by the word of God, faith will increase. Am I right? Grace will increase. Am I right? You'll be more fruitful. Am I right? So when knowledge increases, fruitfulness what happens? That's why I said that for the love of God to be manifested in our lives, we have to receive the same spiritual resources that Christ did what? Which is one critical part of that resource is what? It's knowledge. It's knowledge. Am I making sense? Am I making sense this morning? Hallelujah. 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 So, we can say, or we have established that fruitfulness is what? It's by grace. Have we established that? We have also established that more grace equals more fruitfulness. Have we? And we have also established that the process of pruning. Because the word pruning is actually the word katairo, which means cleansing. It's actually cleansing. It actually means to clean. To clean. So, pruning, which is cleansing, brings about fruitfulness. And we had already said that the process of cleansing is the process of what? The increase of what? Of faith and of grace. Verse 3 answers our question. That John 15, 3. You are clean by the word that I have what? Spoken to you. So what Jesus was doing 
those years that he had his disciples with him was what? was cleansing them by what? by the word of God by the washing of the water by the word of God give me Acts chapter 1 Acts chapter 1 very quickly Acts chapter 1 the former account I made of Theophilus of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he showed the Holy Spirit at what? giving commandments to the what? to the apostles whom he had what? chosen verse 3 to whom he also presented himself after his suffering by many infallible proofs being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the what? the kingdom of God so for 40 days after his resurrection he was cleansing them by the word of God that was his only assignment those 40 days in fact that was the reason he waited 40 days he was cleansing them by the word of God no wonder they were so thoroughly cleansed that when the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2 they were already well oiled for the fire of the Lord to become an explosion Am I making sense this morning? Am I making sense? They were thoroughly oiled. Their oil was already full. So when the Holy Ghost came, there was just, was just one spark. Then there was what? There was an explosion. So the power and the manifestation of the Holy Ghost in your life, you can connect it to what? To the oil of the Word of God. To cleansing to cleansing to cleansing and by cleansing we abide are you seeing how crucial marriage to the word of God is in this process and how we are not just talking about a marriage to the word of God which is simply the action of reading it it has to you have to allow it to produce fruit in you hallelujah Colossians chapter 3 let the word of God do what? Dwell in you scantily. Scantily. What does it say? Richly. Richly. The word has to dwell. And what does it mean to dwell? The word becomes a part of you. A part of you, not just to take a small part. No, a part of you to mingle with you. Hallelujah. Because the word of God can act as a leaven. When you attach it to the dough, it begins to grow. Until the whole loaf is engulfed. That's the way the word of God. So you must put the word of God in your life in a way that you allow it to invade every part of you. It invades your emotions. It, it invades your reasoning. It invades your choices. It invades your perspective. It invades your mindset. It invades your habit. It invades everything. Your plans, your goal, and your future. And then it must also invade your past. Are you hearing me? You must allow the word to invade your word. Let me give you a very clear example of the word invading your past when you allow the world to invade your past it will turn the bitterness and the infirmities of your growing up it will turn to an opportunity for testimony suddenly you look at your past you look at the 
things you've been through you look at the issues that have happened to you and then you see a raw material for which the glory of god will be manifest that shift in perspective is by the word of god hallelujah so in one breath there is this clay mad completely disfigured and disorganized an outsider an unskilled outsider sees something that is messed up a potter sees a raw material for a new vessel say you're my past and everything i've been through is god's raw material for my glory say the worse it is the more glory it will attain hallelujah say the more terrible it is the more potential for glory it carries let the word of god dwell in you richly let that little level apply it every day as often as you have opportunity apply the word then it will take over it will take over it will begin to change everything it will begin to cleanse the more it cleanses the more the supply chain is freed am i making sense the more it cleanses the more grace comes the more grace comes. suddenly grace is bursting forth from you there is grace to overcome infirmity there is grace to walk in holiness there is grace to walk in wisdom there is grace to walk in love there is grace to walk in peace there is grace grace is making mountains to become valley just like Zerubbabel. Am I making sense? Grace is elevating the valleys. Grace is purifying the crooked places. And making the rough edges to be straight. That is grace at work in your life. And that is you abiding. That's you abiding. So when you grow in the knowledge of God. What are you doing? You are purifying the supply chain. You are making what scripture says. Make straight path for the Lord. There was a word he used when he was talking about John the Baptist. I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Do what? Make straight the what? The way. It means expand the supply chain. Let the King of Glory come. Let him come and ride in majesty in your life. That's how to abide. That's how to abide. Give attention to the word. Let it grow in you richly. Hallelujah. As the word grows, say faith grows. As faith grows, say grace grows. As grace grows, say cleansing happens. As cleansing happens, say fruitfulness. Say fruitfulness. Ask your neighbor, what is that fruit? Says the love of God. That's where we're going. The love of God is that fruit. Love is the fruit that God sees and says, This is me. This child is mine. This is not an illegitimate child. I have seen my DNA in him. Because God's DNA is what? It's love. When we say the fruit of the Spirit is love. Amen? When we say the fruit of the Spirit is love, our mind always goes to the destin- destination. Because the fruiting season is the, destin- is the end of a season. Am I right? When you plant a seed, what's the destination of that thing? Fruitfulness. Am I making sense? But that's not all that God wants us to see. 
the fruit is the evidence that the DNA is correct. Oh, are you getting me this morning? You cannot harvest orange in a mango tree, can you? Why? Because the orange does not have the mango DNA. So when God says the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is love. What it means is that if you want to harvest the fruit, you must plant the seed. So if I want orange in my, on, on, in my garden or in my house, which seed will I plant? Come on now, which seed will I plant? So if you want to have the fruit of the Spirit, what seed are you going to plant? The seed of the Spirit, right? The seed of the Spirit will bring the fruit of the Spirit. We know it's love. Am I making sense? But I'm drawing a correlation. Am I right? It is seed that produces fruit. Is that clear? That clear? A mango seed will produce a mango fruit. Clear? If I want the fruit of love, I will plant the... The... Of... If the fruit of the Spirit produces love... What do I need to plant? The seed of the spirit. Am I making sense? The seed is what produces the fruit. Is that clear now? How do I plant the seed? The word. Yes, the word. That's the seed. The word. So if I want the fruit of love, what's my seed? The word. The word. So walking in love that's why it's not just behavior is the action that is as a result of the fruits am i making sense a whole process has happened before the fruit manifest there has been the dna configuration am i making sense am i making sense a fruit doesn't just appear there's been a process of constant supply chain to transmit what is in the seed through the through the roots, through the branches, am I making sense? To the leaves, to actually bring forth the fruit. All that process is initiated by the word of God. By the word. That's why he says that if you abide in me and my word abide in you. So to abide means to imbibe the word. Say it means to imbibe the word. It means to give attention to the word. It means to allow the word to come inside. To allow the word to come inside. To allow the word to come inside. And reconfigure our internal environment. Hallelujah. 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 That's how to allow the word to come inside. Amen. Second Peter 1. Verse 3. Say, as his divine power, say with me, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. True what? True what? The knowledge of what? Of him. How do you get that knowledge? Through the word and the illumination of the spirit. Am I right? Who has called us by glory and virtue? What does verse 4 say? By which have been given to us exceeding what? 
great and precious promises that through this you may be of the what what is the divine nature the sap that comes from divine are you making a correlation now the sap that comes what so when knowledge increases this happens partaking of the divine nature does what there is cleansing there is cleansing he said we're partakers of divine nature having escaped the word the corruption that is in the world true loss how do we how does this escape happen that cleansing that i talked about am i making sense that's how you escape the corruption the cleansing of the world verse 5 but also for this very reason giving all diligence at your faith word at your faith word so now what the scripture is helping us to do is to break down the action and the activity of the word of god when faith is initiated so as you increase in faith something's added what is added what is added we have said more faith equals what more grace right more grace equals more fruits right and faith comes by the word am i making sense and that word brings about the knowledge of god am i making sense through which faith comes is that clear when faith increases so that there can be fruitfulness more fruit am i making sense that process these are the things that are added it is added virtue is added and to virtue what knowledge so the more faith comes it even birth more knowledge and ever increasing knowledge am i making sense what does verse 6 says and to knowledge what be suddenly self-control happens because knowledge has come the things you can't control before now you can control because there is power that has come manifesting as knowledge a new is like when you were small my dear only when you were small you know you could see a stone and you pick a stone on the road and throw it in your mouth am i making sense have you seen babies who put everything in their mouth did you have a baby like that unfortunately i think none of my kids were like that but babies are like that babies can put their hand in their bum bum and put it in their mouth they can do anything messed up things but what happens let that baby grow try and tell your 10 year old maybe pick one of those children now or try and tell Toluashi and say Toluashi my bobo can you eat that stone and let him respond to you you'll be shocked that the response he will give to you hallelujah what has happened to Toluashi knowledge as a result of what growth so when knowledge comes so if self-control is lacking it's because there hasn't been enough supply am i making sense there hasn't been enough what supply so what should you do concentrate on supply increase the devotion to supply then self-control will happen and after self-control what's going on you just realize that you can wait on the lord you can wait for god other people are 
trust, they are, you know, they, are, they are destabilized. You are stable and established and unwavering because there is capacity to wait. There is capacity to persevere. Your focus is unchanging. There has been what? A supply. And then from supply, there is what? There is Godly now. Action. Action. It's translating to your mindset. It's translated to your what? Because godliness is a what? It's a mindset. Am I making sense? That is influencing certain action. Hallelujah. The Bible says godliness with contentment is what? That is a mindset, my brother. That is a mindset. Because in the mind of the world, gain is godliness. We worship people who have money. They are worthy of our worship and of our respect. That's why this country is the way it is. We worship money. And anything that brings gain, we justify the means. But that is not the kingdom mindset. The kingdom mindset is godliness. Aligning with God. And contentment. Being content in the place God has put you. Is what? Is, is what heaven regards as gain. So godliness is a change of mindset. Ah, why don't you reason like this? I'm sorry, I don't see things that way. Ah, that guy did something to you, you should react like that. Ah, no, that's not the way I react. I, I don't do my own things like that. There's been a change of what? Of mindset. Abiding is happening. Hallelujah. Then after godliness, what happens? And to godliness, what? brother, your bowels will be more opened. Suddenly what you have becomes what we have. Suddenly you don't carry a singular selfish, self-centered mindset. You can step down from a position so that another person can step in. That's brotherly kindness. Because there is a difference of mindset. What people pursue, you are not pursuing it. You are not there for your own gain. You are esteeming others better than yourself. After brotherly kindness, what will happen? Love. So love is the fullness of the fruit. Say it's the fullness of the fruit. Say it is when the fruit is ripe. When you look at the ripe fruit, ah, this is food. This is energy. But look at all the processes that give birth to this fruit. You must see why the supply chain cannot be hampered at any point in time now. Why that supply must happen in season and out of season. Am I making sense? Because that is the only way fruitfulness is guaranteed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Am I making sense? Now give me verse 8 and 9 very quickly. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be what? Barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9. For he who lacks these things is what? Short-sighted. Even to the hampering of the supply chain has brought about the blindness of the heart. And when there is a blindness of the heart, the glory of God cannot be embraced. Hallelujah. And has forgotten that he was what? Cleansed from his old sins. What does verse 10 say? 
said, Therefore, brethren, be even more what? Diligent to make your calling and your election. For if you do these things, you will never, if you abide, it is guaranteed that you will never stumble. You will never. Just keep doing the right thing. You will never stumble. You will never fail. Because love never fails. Your destiny is assured. It cannot be aborted. Are you hearing me? You will end well no matter how dark it is. You might only be going through a temporary patch of issue. It can only be dark. So dark in the night. What is coming in the morning? Light. Go and sleep. Once these things are in place, go and what? Go and sleep. Once abiding is in place, you cannot but end well. Take it to the bank. You cannot but end well. You cannot but fulfill destiny. You cannot but grow into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. It is impossible for you to fall short. That's what he's saying. For if you do these things, you will what? You will never stop. Finally, give me Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, 16. So that I pray, give me 15. This is why Paul was praying this prayer. So you understand this prayer very well now. Verse 14. He said, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he will what? That he will grant you according to the what? Riches of his glory. To be what? Strengthened with what? Say divine energy. Say grace. Through his spirit in the what? Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts. True. That you being rooted and what? Grounded in what? What will that what will that do? Verse 18. May be able to comprehend. Say comprehend. With all said, what is the word? The width and the length and the depth and the height. Verse 19. Than to know the which passes that you may be what? Filled with all the fullness of God. So when faith is increasing, grace is increasing, love is increasing, what will happen? The fullness of God will happen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When faith is increasing, grace is increasing, love is increasing, what's going to happen? Fullness is assured. That's how to abide. That's how to abide. Hallelujah. So daily, you must give attention to where the source is from. The word of God. Submission to the Holy Spirit. The keeping of the commandments. And the walking in obedience, then there will be abiding. Hallelujah. Here I am waiting. Abide with me. I pray. Yeah. Here I am longing for you. For you.